Hello, and thank you for joining us on another episode of Why Theory. As always, I am your host, Ryan Angley, joined, as always, by co-host Todd McGowan. Todd, how you doing, buddy? I'm doing good, Ryan. I just got a weekend in Maine refreshed, so I'm, I'm ready to, to chat. That's, that, is, uh, that is awesome. Todd doesn't normally go on a vacation like that, so everybody should be really happy for him. I'm very happy for him. You sound, you sound really relaxed. I, I am uh, maybe- relaxed, yeah. You're relaxed, uh, which is good because we're going to talk about castration. So that's like you should be relaxed uh, for a conversation uh, with with such a cut as this one. I, that's I would right. say I, I, I was really. I think I was relaxed because I was feeling my symbolic castration and becoming okay with it. So <laughs> okay, well, which is what we're going to talk about here today. So this is uh, this is. Um, uh, I think to like I think to us there is a um, there's a link to the previous episode on dialectical reversal, but we not, not going to. Um, tie uh, play that tie out, but I know we thought about these at, uh, at the same time to put them together. This um, this is a concept that we wanted to cover. It's I think we have used this phrase um, a lot, possibly over the yeah. years. Yeah. Um, it's it's a phrase that comes up a lot in uh, in Zizek. It comes up in Boothby. It comes up in Mari Ruti. Um, it comes up. Uh, wh- wh- who who else am I, am I missing? Well, Molly uh, Rothenberg uses it. Right. I don't know. This guy Todd McGowan uses it a lot. <laughs> <laughs> Jennifer Freeman no, uses it. So I think I Jennifer. think it's a pretty Sheldon George. I know uses it in Trauma and Race. So there's a lot of it's, it has a lot of currency among people influenced by Lacan. Interestingly, they use it more than Lacan himself did. Yes. That's correct, and that that's something that we're, we're going to get into and, and 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 start with. So this is um, the what we have as the uh, the first appearance of the phrase, and uh, we're going to read it out. And the why why we're talking about this is that this is a uh, its use in the contemporary era. I don't think. Oh, and we left out Bruce Fink. I mean, he talks about this. Yeah, in the yeah. Bruce subject. Fink was one of the first to to use it as a cur- and put it into currency. Correct. Absolutely. Yeah, and it's. Um, I think that's no accident. I think that this, as we're going to play out, this is a, um, it is a, a stance it, that uh, people uh, uh, occupy and affect uh, often. I think that this uh, symbolic castration is, I think, one of the uh, positions of internet discourse um, on almost anything, um, as we'll uh, sort of play out. It, it's, it's um, and again, not to, not to, to no, I'm not going to put it in the negative. I'm going to put it in the positive. To underline the importance and and like the relevance of this before getting into the idea of the concept first is that um, it it's also it's a it's a position that one can um, adopt and sustain and and I think right now um, with the coordinates of uh, of social media and like the way that like uh, algorithmic. Uh, anything uh plays this is one of the I, I think this is one of the modes of the contemporary moment i think that that's that's what i would say so that this is um Good. it's it's a a logic that I, now here i am going to make a tie to the previous episode it's it's a logic that i i think once you hear people explain it in the way that we're about to you will immediately be able to identify it in something and uh just like the dialectical reversal and i i think seeing this way um Allows one to uh, see how phenomena, uh, certain kinds of phenomena, proliferate. How certain things are uh, are sustained in, um, in in discourse, and maybe, and we don't mean to do this to you. I mean, because we're guilty of this also. But maybe it's a mirror in front of the face 
kind of moment for uh, some of some of one's own behavior. So that's that's sort of the stakes and what's on what's on the line here. So to get into the thing itself, uh, this is from. So yeah, this is what we have as the first. Uh, we think it's Lacan's first mention. So someone is. I'm, we're welcome to. We're, we welcome any email correcting us on this. But I think this is mm-hmm. the first mention. Yeah. Yeah, Rick uh, Rick Boothby in, in Freud is philosopher has a a section um, where he's got a, a he has a he's quoting uh, Lacan from Seminar One and he doesn't say symbolic castration exactly as the phrase, but the idea is definitely there. It's something that Rick uh, extracts. So, but as far as Lacan using the phrase, I think we, we've got it here. Uh, so this starts on um, two forty six of the uh, current uh, polity edition of uh, Transference. And so we're just going to get right into it. Uh, what we call aggressiveness always presents itself in obsessive neurosis as aggression toward the form of the other's appearance. That, on another occasion, I called phallophony. Uh, that is like fallow, uh, phani, P-H-A-N-Y, for someone listening to that. That's a hard word to hear, I think. Uh, the other, insofar as he can present himself as the phallus, to strike the phallus in the other to strike it at the imaginary level in order to heal symbolic castration is the pathway chosen by the obsessive neurotic to try to abolish the difficulty that I designate as, quote, the parasitic nature of the signifier in the other, end quote, and to try to restore primacy to desire at the cost of degrading the other, which makes the other essentially a function of the phallus's imaginary elision. Todd, give us a quick gloss on that. Yeah, that's just so clear. I just want to thank Lacan for the clarity of that statement. <laughs> When what he means is the obsessive neurotic tries to heal symbolic castration, right? That this is what it means. Yeah. So, yeah. Really, is that all? All that necessary? I don't. So, anyway, uh, one might say, and I think it, this is a fair point that Lacan's fundamental innovation relative to Freud was to see that castration is symbolic rather than. Uh, sexuated necessarily, mm-hmm. right? Like mm-hmm. for Lacan, it's not that femininity is castrated and masculinity isn't. It's that femininity and masculinity take up different positions relative to symbolic castration. So that, yeah. and and he would say, I think, and maybe rightfully, that this is ultimately Freud's position, but Freud didn't mm-hmm. think this was his position. <laughs> I mean, Freud thought yeah. that femininity means to suffer from castration in a way that masculinity and masculinity is the resistance to castration. And he thinks that's, he called it the rock of castration that neither sex can get behind that, that he, this is how he says it toward the end of his life. He says, when he's talking about why um, psychoanalysis is interminable, right? That, that what we come up against is this barrier that we can't, women can't stop wishing they had the phallus or the penis, even I don't think he says phallus, and men can't stop fearing that they're going to lose it. So mm-hmm. that's Freud. That's what Freud thinks his position is, and mm-hmm. Lacan says no. Actually, castration is this is what happens to the subject when it comes into language, and mm-hmm. then the sexes are these different ways of comporting oneself. To that's how sexual difference gets developed and articulated, comporting oneself to that basic lack that comes from being subjected to the signifier. So that's the, that I think is, and I I think there's something to saying, maybe this is Lacan's fundamental innovation, 
right? That he's mm-hmm. adding this symbolic in front of castration to say it's about a relationship to language, to signification, and and thus it's tied to lack, that it means that we're inherently lacking subjects. That's that I mean you could say that's what symbolic castration is. Symbolic castration means you're inherently lacking subject. Point at the end of the line. That's it. Yeah. No, I, I think that's great. And I, I also think in 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 Lacan's innovation that like I know that this is it's a key part of the formulas of sexuation, but I, I like to me, I, I don't think he even needs them with the idea. Like I think the idea is so general right. that it doesn't it doesn't by necessity have to be a uh, sexuated in the way of the formula. This maybe something we could talk about another time. But like, just for somebody maybe hearing this for the first time, like, like I would say, what what Lacan does with this idea is like he he shows. So this is this is sort of my ver- like very like quick uh, gloss is that like symbolic castration is this sense of having what you never had taken away. Yeah, and that is. Uh, I think I phrase this with that. That's gender neutral, like that. That's that. that that's that is um, available to everybody on and every kind of uh, of, of identification. It, because and it also fits with his, I think his idea of uh, of of the phallus. Like it, it, you can you can see this if you like. I don't think in Freud he 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 means or or thinks that there like there really is like some phallus out there. That is the like. That's right. like. That's the right. one. Like it, right. it, it's. It's just not. It's not actual. I, I think sometimes right. in criticism of Freud, people make it actual and then right. say, and that, that's to then make what he says like misogynist for that reason. I don't think that's there, but I do think that uh, Lacan takes up that uh, valence that is important in Freud, and I think he makes it more, more the point, which is that you know no one has the phallus, but everyone. Regardless of their identification, like they take up a position relative to the idea that someone really does have the phallus, right? right. And 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 that, as I in, in my phrasing, that is that is that is gender neutral. I think like like, like that like every everyone is in the position of uh, for, for Lacan, everyone is in the position of suffering under the idea that there really is a phallus, and that some someone really has it, and, and someone like, really has can, it, yeah, yeah, yeah. Go ahead. No, I just think what's interesting is that, and this is true in that passage you read from Lacan, that that what is traumatic is not the subject's own symbolic castration. But in right. this way you said, it's the other who has the phallus, right? It's the it's the symbolic castration of the other. Right? Mm-hmm. So that so Lacan in his little uh symbolism, the, the castrated subject or the divided subject is the S with the bar over it. It's also it's often typed as a dollar sign, which is ironic yeah. because yeah, yeah, yeah. because yeah. the dollar sign is precisely the disavowal of symbolic castration in a way. Uh, but but I think that the other sign is the A for autre in French or other, so the O with a slash in it, which is mm-hmm. the way of signifying that the other is castrated and the other doesn't have the phallus. And I think that's the key thing from what you're saying that then that's the, the more difficult thing to confront. And the thing that's disavowed is not necessarily my, as a subject, my symbolic castration, but the symbolic castration of the other, which means there's no other I can rely on. And I think what's interesting is you often hear people say, well, this is, this is one way, you know, 
you're disavowing the other's symbolic castration. If you say, okay, but what do we do now with this, what you've told us, right? Like, mm-hmm. what what's to be, like, Lenin wrote a whole book, <laughs> What is to be Done, which one yeah. might say was an attempt to show that he had the phallus, right? Like, uh, look, mm. I'm not, I yeah. know what is to be done. I'm not symbolically castrated. And I think people, one of the things that, the difficulties that people have with Freud and Lacan and people in that, following in that tradition, like 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 Slavoj too, like they, they don't say, oh, look, do X, Y, and Z, and that'll lead in the proper political direction. And I think mm-hmm. wanting that, is is a refusal of symbolic castration because it means that there's no leader that's going to direct us in the right path necessarily. I mean, they might in some way, mm-hmm. they might choose the right thing, but they're they're not going to. There's no guide post, right? And I think that is that's the name. Like symbolic castration is the name for that being lacking. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I think I think that's. That's fantastic. Like in the political realm, especially, you want to. I mean, and and this is how. I mean, the whole thing works on the premise that like there really is someone who knows what they're doing, like, and and they may not be the people who are, you know, currently popular or in the position to do it, but there really is someone out there who does. And I think that it is. uh, I think it's too. I just in general, I think it's too. It's it's too traumatizing all the time to realize that everybody is kind of like you. That like they it's not terrible. everybody yeah it's, it's terrible. terrible not it's terrible like don't you I, think you, that that's go ahead no no so yeah, jump in on this one yeah. sorry I just like, no, that's no. so traumatic about this election in, in <laughs> yeah, the US, yeah 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 right because we have yeah. on the one side someone who clearly has seen the hour of his greatness flicker and is mm-hmm. is doesn't know right anymore mm-hmm. if he once did maybe and the other side someone who flaunts his non-knowledge, which is corresponds yes. to his enjoyment, right? So, yes. so I think that's what's traumatic for people. And they're like, why don't the Democrats run someone who's younger and knows, right? Yes. Rather yeah. than just being guided by the forces, the, the symbolic forces themselves, right? Like, right. let's get someone in there that really has the phallus. And I think that was yeah. what was appealing about Obama in a sense, right? Like he seemed like he really knew what was mm-hmm. going on and that's why people were really attracted to him. Yeah, I mean, th- this this definitely has the um, well, it has all, all the markings of a limp dick election, and, and nobody really wants that. I don't think. Yeah, is is, yeah, yeah. is it, 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 it? It doesn't. It, it it's it's not. Uh, it's not. It's not nice. It's not a nice thing to. <laughs> it's not a nice thing to contemplate. It's not like it. Like there is a there's a thing. Like I think this would be the like. The the tie like you'll often it's like like age substitutes. Not that I think like everybody w- really wants to be talking about whether either of the candidates can can actually uh, uh, get and maintain an erection. I don't really think that, but like yeah. there is something about the age and virility and as as like it, it's it's substitute the age is substituting for this idea that like they're. Um, <laughs> Like that, there's a like a potency. Like I'm around all these words, but like I, I think like you can you can see it in the discourse that like what people seem to be clamoring for. And again, it doesn't have to be a like it's certainly not a like a man that people are clamoring for, but they right. want someone who who again who looks like they they know what they're doing and that they're that they're younger and that they're they're free. I, I think 
Well, well Angela Merkel, of to speak obvious of, to, to castration, go ahead. Yeah, yeah. What sorry, sorry. Yeah, to yeah. prove that it's not a man, I mean, Angela Merkel was a phallic chancellor of Germany, right? She was. I mean, not, yeah. that's why, you know, use whatever term you want, but she was, she seemed like she wasn't, didn't suffer from symbolic castration. Right. Yes. And I think that's, that's important. A, that's the point I was trying to get to. Yeah, yeah. Which is, like, you want someone who doesn't seem, and it's just very obvious, <laughs> I think. It's just on the, it, it literally on the face of both of the the leading candidates in the in the U.S. Yeah. that they're 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 that that the that these are and and anyway like it's it's uh it is I think to go back to your 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 nice gloss which was that uh the, the obsessional is the attempt to heal the symbolic castration that's the obsessional response so mm-hmm. what we have is like like you know you know who has been doing a lot. Who would love to be the uh, the non the non castrated uh, supplement to uh, to Biden would be Gavin Newsom, uh, right. my 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 governor, governor here in, yes. in California. Yeah. Like he would love to be that guy. Like that's that's um. There's even this um. God, this it's a. I don't know if it was an old issue of Vanity Fair or Vogue, but there was a um. There's a cover, uh, and, and the title was the New Kennedys, and it, I don't know how many years ago this was, but it was uh. Newsom on the cover and also with um do you know the name of I believe it's Don Jr's girlfriend or or uh, yeah, fiance I've but I know who it is yeah yeah, yeah. anyway because the two of them were together at one point yeah. and so and it's just this like um I, there isn't anything in the politics that's on the cover of this. It's just that they're attractive. Like that's like that's the thing. Like you know, this is attractive couple couple in this like huge like uh, I don't know, like these like beautiful hardwood floors. That's how I remember it. It's probably wrong, um, but like that that that's the like the image that you know he's been cultivating for a long time is and that's it. And this is the I mean, it's the political moment for it is yeah. uh to, to to like how can you seem non castrated uh politically and uh perhaps even actually i think is, is something that the the people will um cathect to in in this moment absolutely absolutely i think that there's a i i it's interesting because the as the more reactionary elements play into castration i think there's even more of an impulse on the by the establishment candidates to play up their non castration, right? Or to find a candidate yes. of non castration. I think that's true. We see that I think that's true around the world. And then the problem is that the perfect and this is one of the ironies of the way that psychoanalysis understands things, like the perfect candidate of of non castration would be an unappealing candidate. Like, yes. I think that's the problem. <laughs> like, like if they didn't have some, and I think this is a real important way to think about symbolic castration, that if there wasn't some way that w- you evince your symbolic castration, then you cease to be desirable. And I yeah. think that's a really, that is just such a crucial point. Also about the way that we go out in the world and try to, you know, you go to the singles bar or what, I don't know what you call it today. It's just out of touch. I am. They don't call it a singles bar anymore, but you I'm, go out to I'm the content, bar. I'm content to let that be canon for this podcast that that's, that's what it is. Yeah. Please continue. Yeah. Okay. Sorry. Thank you for that. <laughs> You're uh, welcome. I'll just go with how old I am. We go out to the singles bar and you, yep. you want to make yourself attractive and you yep. think like, Oh, 
I'm going to cover up all the indications of my cast. Like I'll, like I'll, I, I my eyebrows are gro- overgrown, so I'll tweak, I'll uh, tweeze sure. them a little bit. Like I'll, I'll, I'll c- c- shave my thing. I'll, I'll dye out the gray in my hair. I'll do all these things, mm-hmm. right? To come, this is my. I'm showing how old I am. All these things, <laughs> uh, but I do all these things, uh, and I'm trying to. But but in reality, right? It's only some way that you do evince your castration that makes you desirable in the first place, right? Yeah. So if there yeah. wasn't that, then there wouldn't be a desirability. And I think what's interesting is how the reactionary candidates play into their castration. Yeah. Rather than don't try to disavow it or deny it at all. Yeah, and, you mean and, and, you, you mean the uh, the the candidate that compared himself to Elvis Presley recently? Being I didn't a dead know ringer. that he did that, but very good. Yes, yeah, yes, yes. okay, yes. So or yeah. to Taylor Swift, right? <laughs> sure. Yes, yeah, yeah. But, yeah. So yeah. I think I think that that's I, I I think that that's it's it's a fascinating thing, but I do think you can't play the game of non castration to the T because then you lose desirability, and I think that's one of the nice things that. Uh, both Freud and Lacan emphasize that there's a we're drawn not to what's complete or full in the other, but what's this thing that's lacking in the other. That if there's not that element of castration in the other person, then there's nothing to draw us into that person. And I don't know if you yeah. felt this way, but I remember this is so long ago, but I remember when I was in elementary school and there were people of both genders in the school that were seen as perfect. I mean, of course they weren't, but perfect. Oh yeah. Spe- you've, you've I maybe used, have used this example before. before. Yeah, yeah. Perfect yeah. specimens. Right. And they just were mm-hmm. undesirable. And I think yeah. that that's true all the way down the line. And I think it's true even about uh, someone you're trying to learn something from, right? Like it's, mm-hmm. it's, it's like the, okay. So like I'll complain about certain things, about Slavoj, like I'll be like, why, you know, why doesn't he just write a book where there's just an argument, it follows from A to Z, and it just <laughs> nicely, you know, doesn't do sure. veering off God knows where. So I'll complain about that. But then mm-hmm. if he really wrote a book like that, I'd be like, really, where's all the fun little <laughs> detours? And see, so like I think okay. that the castrating, the, the the castrating element is so crucial, or the lacking element is so crucial to the arousal of desire. And so that's why I think you have to, that in some way reconciling oneself to symbolic castration is how one admits that one's a desirable object, right? So, mm. and, 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 and the castration of the other is, can you desire the other rather than just look at the other as this way to disavow your lack altogether? So, and just to like put an underline on that, like, um, because you bring in disavowal, fetishistic disavowal, which I can't remember if we've done an episode on. I'm sure we have. Well, yeah, I know we have. We, we did an episode have. on us where we talked about it quite a bit. But oh yeah, yeah, okay, yeah, right. Yeah. So um, the idea that's like this is really important because I, I I see it in a lot of places where um, it's suddenly the, there is a there's a person who can see other people disavowing, but then not see themselves like it's it's not this like you're not fed, the and I think this is really important is that these ideas are not like if you understand them and I'm going to purposely use a a, a phallic um uh metaphor I guess image whatever to to do this it's like if you if you know these things you're not like you don't get to go up in your lighthouse and 
be alone and then see how everybody else is like, is doing the wrong thing, right. you know? And, and like, and you're in this, you're dwelling in this quite literally dwelling in a position of unapproachable light because you know, these things and you can see them in other people. Um, fetishistic disavowal, this important idea in, in Freud is that like you, you know, it's just, it's just consonant with everything we're talking about. And it's a recapitulation for people listening a long time, but it's germane to the conversation. You know, your own lack, you know, you're lacking, you know, that like, you know, that like you probably didn't do the dishes right last night or, or whatever it is, or you didn't put, take the trash out when you're supposed to, or you said you were going to, or whatever it is, whatever it's some yeah. mundane thing. Yeah. You, you, you know, you, you know that you probably spend way too much on time on the couch. You could be more productive, even in like hobbies or fun things. Like you know that about yourself. And then you go out into the world and you think nobody else is like that. Right. And it's just you. And like that, like the lack that you know so intimately about yourself cannot. Maybe it's in your friends because you're all friends and like you know each other, and like that's why you're friends. Is you have this these kinds of like lacks that work together. But mm-hmm. like other people, they're they they're they're living the life. They have the you know. I like to give the stu- my stupid pants example, right, Todd? Is that yes. like, oh yeah? There's there's like you know what the thing is is if. I could re- if I just had the right pair of pants. If I had the right pair of pants, uh, you know, for like for the for the new job or for the like or for this situation, if I just had the and it doesn't have to be pants, it could be whatever. Then like then then it would be fine. Everything would be fine. And it's really like it's not about the pants. It's why do you think that you don't have what it is that looks good? Why is it right. that everybody else has it? Right. Why is it everybody else has the thing? And you don't have it. Using the word "thing" advisedly, like that's the yeah. that's that's the that's the that's the idea here. So, like, uh, so that's that's, that's just the refusal disavowal. of the other symbolic castration is what you're exactly. Describing. Right. That's exactly what I'm describing. Yes, exactly. And yeah. then, so why the political example is is like so important is that, uh, like, then we want that perfect candidate rather right. than right. confronting that. You know that uh, imminent with an a immanent, right? Like castration that like we all share. And so, but this is this is kind of the thing about it is that you can't just flip a switch and like, like, you know what? Like you know what the Biden. This I think is kind of the worst. Is like I'll I'll just see these things like 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 for Biden. I don't know supplicants or whatever in the media will be like. Do you know how many? How much? Everyone talks about how old he is, but like, you know how much he does per day? Like he does this. He goes on a bike ride. Like they're trying to do this thing. Like to they're trying yeah. to they're trying to like a like a like a um like the pump to pump up a tire on a bicycle. They're just yeah. like trying to pump up the the Biden phallus so that we know that it's full. And that, and it's because I I don't think he could go up in front of everyone and say. Look, I know that I'm old and withered, and my my best days are behind me. Uh, but I want to I want to give what I haven't got for for this country. I don't think he could say that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And it, and it yeah. would be like like that people because that that would be kind of the flip side. I was going to pose this to you in a question to say, do you think? Biden, it doesn't have to be Biden. I think it's probably better if it's yeah. if it's not him. But but just in a, in a hypothetical situation of like do, like and and really to remove him and the age and, and everything that we have attached to it. Do you think a successful political candidate could run on a campaign where they avowed like their, their own castration, their own casual being a piece of shitness, 
Like, do you think that that, that could that could happen? I was going to pose that to you as a question, but I sort of answered it here. But I'll just well, pose it well, to you anyway. Well, I think it can, <laughs> the irony is, I think you can do it on the on the right, on the yeah, far great, right. Great point I you. mean, that's the irony, yeah. right? Like, I think you. I'm not sure you could do it in the mainstream or on the left, but I think it's pretty easy to do on the right. Yeah, you know, like because no, you. well, because you're the candidate of of enjoy like you enjoy yourself at the expense of you enjoy your castration right like that's the appeal of the of the mm. the far right the reactionary candidate so i i i but i but could a i mean the problem isn't the problem that the mainstream the and the left up the from the mainstream all the way as far to the left has so mm. identified itself with knowledge yes that you can't to avow castration is to avow non-knowledge right mm-hmm. and, or, or tr- i mean truth in a way right that that right and i think that that you it seems like to me the way people are are their expectations are structured i don't think you could i don't think you could do it i don't think you could yeah. all of a mm-hmm. sudden say wait a minute I'm actually the candidate or the figure of castration and I can represent your, the failure. I'm in a certain way, the embodiment of the failure of representation, right? Like that's what, that's what symbolic castration is. The failure of representation rather than a representation. And I don't, I don't know that you could do that. Yeah. Good. Yeah. No, it's just, it's really interesting. And like the, the example, particularly of the, like, it is especially true of the liberal left, like identifying itself like very closely with science, right? Like, yeah, yeah, and yeah. Uh, it's specifically scientific knowledge, and like because it's it's extreme. It's it is just if like you talk to a like talk to actual scientists, and like the way that science works is that you test something like again and again, and if something is you know if something's repeatable, then you've got something. But you just because you have like one result in one set of circumstances showing yeah. one particular thing in some field, it may not be true forever in all sort. You know, so that's what's being tested. And so, like, I mean, this happened a lot. Like, I think with um, I, uh, you know, I I really don't want to put it in a, in, a, in a particular example because I think you you lose something. But just in in general, where the far right has pushed, like the liberal left, and particularly people who identify on the side of knowledge, is like it's you actually can't identify with the scientific method. You have to identify with science has it right. It, you can't identify that like solid that science that, that that what science does is it is open to scrutiny and doubt and testing because that's kind of what's on the right is this right, right. ceaseless doubt yeah. but it's just to perform uh our friend clint burnham he has the great line like like cosplaying like a like a scientist like that's <laughs> yeah. that's that yeah. but that's on there but because they've taken that right. they can't that the especially on the liberal left can't be on the side actually on the side of the scientific method it has to be on the side right. of like that scientific knowledge is like capital s capital k is this like this truth eminent forever like right. that like that and that's a problem and like that always opens up 
gaps because the real science, there's always things that change like a little bit about like, you know, the effectiveness of masks or, or whatever it is or how like, you know, remember like earlier in the pandemic was, Oh, you got to use a cloth mask. And then it turns out, no, that wasn't the way to do it. Actually, that those are not as effective as the other ones. And it's like when you're on the right, it's like, see, dude, nobody knows what they're going to, you know, that's, that's the, you know, the, that's the whole position. But it, but actual, you know, the scientific method is like, yeah, no, that's, you know, we thought in these circumstances this is what this showed, and then we had this other thing. It's a lot more banal than that, but because it, that's why, it, that's why, and this will be my final word on this, science as itself cannot be the basis of an entire, like, political position because it's not, like, it it, it is, it has uh, no mechanism within it to, like, resist the political thing like there there are all these like um like there were i don't i know i wish i remember who this was in but i remember reading there was a like a meta study that came out that showed that there were all these studies that um that showed there there wasn't a, a that mask wearing like as a effectiveness was not um it didn't do anything uh, it didn't do anything, but yeah. the thing was, what they didn't realize, the people who put the thing together, was that was going to be taken by the right to say, "See, we shouldn't have worn masks." Yes. But yeah. included in that, the meta study was that not everyone wore masks. Right. So that's part. That's a huge part of why mask wearing wasn't effective was because not everyone did it, and so it like there's just this like uh, that's what I'm saying is that there's not this mechanism on the side of science to 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 be like to be as apolitical as it maybe wants to be. Um, and I think it's it's vulnerable to this like right wing assault on exactly the method by which is used to produce the knowledge itself, and yeah. that can't that cannot be the ba- the the basis of a of a mainstream political party because it completely cuts out like all, like all all emotion and like all I don't know everything that is uh, that is human, and then you give that over to the to the right and 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 right. and you know you get you get what you get. Well, I think you're saying if you, a couple things, right? If you're saying trust science, you're saying the other isn't castrated. That's what you're saying. That's yeah. A, and and yeah. look, I want to say first of all, just to be clear, I'm for vaccine mandates, not for like oh, yeah. oh it's oh, yeah. a good idea or whatever. Like a mandate no, and yeah. mask mandate, whatever. I'm yes. for mandates. I don't 100%. care. I want the yeah. I want the I want the state to say like what's in the service of public health and to demand it. I, I have no problem with that. But I think it's ironic, I say that as a preface to what I'm going to say now, it's ironic for a slogan to be trust science, right? Because aren't yeah. you automatically introducing this idea of trust to the thing that you're saying it's not a question of trust or not? So it's, it's like not, that, not, that not lawn sign, right, right, Todd? I believe that this house, we believe that climate change is, it's like, no, 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 don't do, don't do believe don't right. do believe that that, that climate right. change is real. Don't, don't, that, don't, don't you've do believe. Lost the game, and I, yeah. I mean, I would just yeah. say it's a really interesting thing that you've laid out because it's kind of the difference between Descartes and maybe Hume, but I think his position is questionable. But let's just say Descartes and the total skeptic—you know, the person that mm-hmm. thinks we can know nothing, right? And I think right. the right today is in this position of the total skeptic, right? We mm-hmm. don't know. We don't science. We don't know vaccines. We don't know uh, health. Me- whatever we don't. Uh, whatever it is, we don't know. Right? We can't. I'm going to do do your own research, which of course means <laughs> don't trust anyone. We don't know. Uh, right. And then and then the other side is the trust. But 
But what's missing is, I think, Descartes' position, which was skepticism in order to arrive at truth. So Descartes said, yeah. I, we need to employ what he called the skeptical method without becoming skeptics. And I think that seems to me to be the missing ingredient in what you just described. Like there's one position that's just pure skepticism mm -hmm. in favor of a, obviously a reactionary agenda. And then the other position, which is utter faith. Mm -hmm. And then there's not the skeptical method, which is, I think the Cartesian, I mean, it's the same way that Cartesian subjectivity is repressed today, right? It's the same. I think that's what's missing is this mm -hmm. skeptical method, which then is, is, is employing the skeptical method to come to truth, but it's not just uh, 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 this total profession of faith in a certain thing, mm -hmm. right? Which I think is itself totally misleading and, 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 and counterproductive even. Yeah, it's it's barred. It's it's absolutely barred from yeah, the yeah, from yeah. from from mainstream. Like like that's that and that's my that's my that's my whole point with with as you're laying out. Like that, that it's just where and I do think it's it's um it's the right has but the far right has pushed the specifically liberal left into that position where it like it's like si that the scientific uh, message has to. It has to bear too much for and and it's it's like any deviation whatsoever from like the the you know like the it's gonna it's raining here and it's gonna like rain here for a long time where I am in Southern California and right. it's gonna be like horrible horrible flooding and but that doesn't mean that the planet's not on fire you know like and that's there's a huge like this you know this changes everything as we brought up before like the 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 whole climate thing that is not being addressed part because we only I mean this would be this is my explanation we only talk about climate change when it's a disaster right and only in particular instances absolutely and so and not all the time not when it's just like a 77 degree day like it, it's just so it seems like it's this interstitial phenomenon and not in a, and i mean this not for scientists i mean this like popularly it seems like oh these are the effects of climate change and that there are these they're like like these like these Mike Tyson knockout blows or whatever, like these, these punches, but yeah. really it's more, it's more like, uh, it's the jabs the, that kill you. It's the jabs. It's the Muhammad Ali jabs in the stomach, you know, it's like the that's little the little things that kill. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, and I think the, the, uh, the marriage of the specifically the mainstream popular liberal left with the way that they have employed science has like disavowed exactly that's that, that skeptical position from, from the mainstream. And so it, it's, and that's a, and that's a huge problem. And what it comes back to is that like it's, it, what it's been, what it has completely disavowed is castration yeah. and, and it's, it's existence um, at all. And we're like, now you, you sort of have to, Accept the you have to accept the like the like the absolute like the like the absolute goodness of these of these people and like it's just not 
that's not how that, that's I mean first of all nobody is like that but especially right. not someone who is in politics or is wealthy like so you're asking people an awful lot with this way of uh of of presenting the world politically that like you know you you have you cuz on some level and this is the psychoanalytic thing is that like as i said earlier because you know that you're flawed you of course a priori know everybody else's right. and if you're and if you're asking to only focus on the flaws of somebody else and like people are going to naturally go to well who are you to be saying that and even if you are the lesser of two evils or the better or whatever it is it's going to undercut that that message and and i think what you know this is what you tried to lay out is that the the, the i mean i don't how does the so i mean no i'm going to flip this as a question to you like and you don't have to have this answer cuz it wasn't in, um, you know, we have a lot of examples of things we were going to go through and like yeah. none of it is where we've, <laughs> we've been at so far, but yeah. I don't, I don't know how it can happen immediately, but I don't know how the left avoids this dynamic, um, at, at, at all. Like, I, I think it's, it's, it's really, it's in the more, I think like the more that the, the far right and not just America, that's just the context, obviously that I'll just say me that I know the best, but like. It, it just, but anywhere, like the more that the popular candidates on the far right are idiots, the more then it'll seem like, well, the left should be on the side of, uh, of knowledge, but that's kind of the thing about knowledge is it does change and, and that like you lose, right. like, like there is something, uh, there's something vital about, um, truth that is not the same as knowledge and this is uh, something that I I think that the in in the courtship of factual accuracy yeah. and of knowledge that the yeah. mainstream left has abandoned yeah. truth and an idea and or an idea capital T capital I an idea of what any of this can be that yeah, we I, interact I with think every you answer day. The question right, like you answer yeah, the okay. question that it's that it, like you have to be. A, a partisan of truth, not of knowledge, right? So yeah, I, I nice think that's the, and, and then nice what is truth? Well, it's the point at which knowledge breaks down, right? A point of the failure of knowledge. And that's, so, so then you're, you're, you're not saying, you know, you can't say certain things about, oh, we have to just be certain about what we know and we have to trust what we know. And, and no, you have to think about mm-hmm. what it is that we don't know and how that can how that's what motivates us, right? Like, I think that's, the, it seems to me like you have to be, and, and you have to then be, if, if one of the things that's interesting is that the, the emphasis on knowledge has corresponded to an emphasis on relativism uh, yeah. among these kids. Yeah. And so I think you have to avoid that too, right? Like yeah. that seems to yeah. me the other real advantage, these Reaction. Look around the world, right? Like it's, you can name it's, uh, Turkey, India, Argentina recently with Malay, mm-hmm. uh, uh, alternative alternative for Deutschland. Like the, uh, Marine Le Pen is going to be the next president of France. Like it's just it's 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 there's a it's everywhere, and mm-hmm. I think it's part of it is that they are not afraid to say they're 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 able to break out of this relativism that traps the these mainstream liberal candidate left candidates right like that i think mm. that's a huge part of it and i think that the you know truth versus the relativity of knowledge is a and truth as 
necessarily egalitarian truth, right? Like that's, I mm. think that's the, that's what's, and obviously that's not how uh, truth is defined on the reactionary side as an egalitarian truth, but yeah. as a, as a, but it's still a claim to tr- a truth claim being articulated. And I think that's not yeah. being articulated. And I think, uh, uh, global warming is a is a. I, I love the signifier climate change, right? Because because there's a point at which Trump said, "Why are they? Why do you keep changing it from global warming <laughs> to climate change?" And the, one of the scientists didn't answer to his face, but said, "Well, the reason is because people like you <laughs> were confronted by these particular phenomena when actually it was colder, and that was a sign of the. So we had to yeah. use the, the the more the stupider signifier of climate change, so people wouldn't be tripped up by the particular." Right, I think yeah. it's, a, it's just to me that's fascinating, and it also shows the an attempt to 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 actually speak to. I kind of like that one because it's an attempt to speak to the structure of to to get out of that knowledge question. Like the knowledge mm-hmm. is just it's warming, and then mm-hmm. to to think about how we can articulate a truth of this uh, through. The fa- it's about the failure of signification, right? Like climate change, mm-hmm. the very choice of the signifier is an indication that signification broke down because the, the signifier that really would work is there really attaches to what's going on doesn't work. Mm. Yeah, it's a little, it, yeah, no, it, and, then, and then you have to... <laughs> You have to deal with the compensatory problem, which is like, oh, you're changing all the time. Why you keep changing it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Why you keep changing it? Right. Which yeah. it's it's a um, no, it's a great point. It's a great point by you. And the the other thing that I that I think the that the right, I mean, the right has been very successful at is making it. Uh, I think that they've been very successful at making it seem as though only like you need to have a. a an overwhelming majority of uh, one party to get any anything done, especially in this country. So you, and what that has, I mean, I don't, this has not been the plan. What they wanted to do, of course, is like to just introduce, I mean, in this country, introduce gridlock in Congress, make it so that it's the, you know, then we change the court and like this whole thing. Uh, then, then, then the court issues the, the uh, you know, edicts to the land and that's how, we have like this r- radical Republican revolution or whatever it is. Right. Um, but what, what has then the compensatory thing is like, well, uh, Democrats have to take the, the Senate, they have to take the house and they have to have the presidency. And that's, uh, that's all true. Like to get anything done, that's not like really, really right wing, but what, wh- where this has the unfortunate argument that every everybody who believes that and I believe that but implicitly accepts is that like you it start, start, sort of makes an argument for uh, for for fascism for the single leader who is going to do everything to right. to to get things done and it is a complete repudiation of an idea of any kind of dialogue or like consensus building through like you know like good faith war it's just like that since the right has not been acted in good faith in this country or really anywhere else i imagine for a very long time it just so it makes it seem like okay well the only way out of this out of the out of the quagmire is we need to have uh we need to have a really strong executive 
with the full support behind him, and it just starts to resemble a lot of extra steps to get to a someone who is more powerful than like democracy would allow, and then that seems too bureaucratic. And you know what's really simple? This guy Trump says that he can fix everything. Yeah, you know it's interesting it, what you're saying because isn't it true? Like, so Yanis Stavrakakis wrote a book called um, Politics and, what is it called? Political Lacan or the Politics of Lacan, something. Uh, Lacanian, I forget. But but the the idea of it, and I wonder what you think of this, is to, mm. to say that democracy is inherently linked to symbolic castration. That, that, yeah. that there's nice. a form, but like there's a... You really like that. That's interesting because Slavoj hates it. Really, I mean, yeah. he hates it. But they have an argument. Like his point is, and I think he he's actually evolved because I think the Slavoj of sublime object ideology does think that. And I yeah, think I that this. I think that he later, you know, he now denounces democracy all the time, or at least parliamentary mm-hmm. democracy. And I think he thinks to to believe that is to is a kind of fetishism, like you're fetishizing one political system over others. But it is an Mm -hmm. interesting idea that democracy takes as its basis the inevitable fact of symbolic castration. And maybe that's true. I mean, the problem Mm -hmm. is, right, that that you get what you just described. You get that, that, that there is this kind of tendency, because maybe that's true, that within democracy you get this yearning for the leader that overcomes their symbolic castration yeah. and demonstrates their felicity, pH yes. felicity, right? And and so I think <laughs> nice. that that yeah. I think that that's so that's I think what Slavoj would say. And I think the other problem, of course, is that there's a maybe a link, maybe it's essential to the development of capitalism that you can't maybe separate parliamentary democracy from from capital. I mean, that's the traditional Marxist objection to mm-hmm. parliamentary democracy. So there's that issue as well. And But I think that there, like what Giannis was get there's something to what he was getting at, which is there's at least an attempt on the part of democracy to how do we think through or integrate the fact of symbolic castration into the political struggle and into the political system. And, and maybe democracy is one way to do it. I mean, I think another attempt to do that I, i'm not i'm not for it but another attempt to do it is anarchism right it's another mm-hmm. attempt to say, yeah. say look the other is always lacking so anarchism is the way to integrate that into our system right and to, yeah. so so but but what what is interesting about it's what i would say i wonder what you would say what i would say mm-hmm. about anarchism is yeah okay it's right about the symbolic castration of the other but what it doesn't get is that there always has to be a subject supposed to know, right? Like for, to have a structure at all, like even mm-hmm. though the subject ultimately that other doesn't know, you still have to have that supposition of the other's knowledge to, to get a structure at all. And that initial, like anarchism seems to me to be a rejection of that initial succumbing to the symbolic fiction. So that's another, I think that's a key part of the way symbolic castration functions right like what it means is you have to accept the symbolic fiction in order Mm -hmm. to be a part that's what lacan means when he says the non-duped heir right they don't accept the symbolic fiction at all 
And so that's another way, the kind of the opposite way of avoiding symbolic castration. Yeah, no, I mean, I I agree with this a lot. I mean, I think that the um, so I'll, I'll get uh, I'll try to from what I from what I remember and work through. I'll try I'll try to weave yeah, in yeah, the, yeah. the 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 points. I think that just where you've ended about bringing Lacan's uh, gloss on the non-duped error, uh, as in it, the those who are not duped uh, commit an error. For me, I, I always take that as like this is uh, Lacan's uh, or I've affected this as Lacan's um, formula for cynicism. Yes, is that is yeah. that like you know the, the the cynic is the the person who occupies the position of cynicism uh, or of the cynic is the person who is uh, avowing that they are not duped, and it's and they and I think that that they're on the side of again this like the lighthouse the lighthouse keeper who can see everybody else's castration but not themselves like they're right. not in, right. their castration is not included in anybody else's like right. that's just like not 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 a part of it, um, and I think. In a lot of popular discourse, you get this like I think we I think we played this out uh, a little bit in the middle of a, an episode a long long time ago that like you get the um, you get the uh, the his, the like the hysteria of the cynic where no one no one is good enough nothing's good enough nothing nothing is good like nothing nothing will ever be like every 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 year will be worse than the last year nothing there's nothing that, that can be done about this we're all just like. Trying to 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 mine, we're all like these people getting trying to mine Bitcoin, uh, you know, calculations. Just every, they were just like throwing our, our time or whatever to try to get like the minuscule chance of enjoyment, like every day or whatever, until we die. That's right. just like that's what it is. That that's the sort of the the cynical thing. And then th- there this posi- I don't think anyone is always that way all the time. I think there are some things for which they are uh, maybe more. On the side of the obsessional, um, where I think we link this in more contemporary phenomena to uh, someone being on the side of nostalgia of like trying to pump up and obscure and as Lacan says in seven or eight, heal the the lack of something. So it's this yeah. like trying to to sustain an originally uh, satisfying uh, relationship to something. Right. And so these two positions, like where one, Fails like where one originally satisfying makes up for it comes in because oh now it'll never be good again but what yeah. you know this other thing was really good yeah. and it was really great and I'll sustain that until the point where it sort of it falls apart so right. I think so that I think uh, in a in a in a popular sense and like a popular stance I think that is that is uh, maybe like the 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 dominant like twinned position by which people see. Uh, and comment on most political or cultural phenomenon is is flitting is is flitting between the positions when one fails to go to the other one. Yeah, um, I think the uh, the political question the going back to to um, to the um, to, to democracy and sort of what you're saying about anarchism is I think and you'll have to tell me because I know the book you're you're meaning by you're referencing by Giannis and I. I've read it a long time ago, and I don't remember, and I wouldn't have thought about it in this way. So you have to tell me that, like, um, is his argument that that um, that so symbolic castration being this key feature of democracy is that ju- is it just as a political system, or is it because or is it because democracy grows out of the fundamental symbolic castration that we all partake in? Is do you understand what I'm saying? Yeah, I do. Um, 
it's called the Lacanian Left. I, I just remember that. Oh yeah, right. That's it. Of course, it um, is. That's, that's, that's he has another yeah. book called Lacan and Politics. That's what confused me. Okay. That's his first book, and then Lacanian Left is his second book. Um, yeah, I think the answer is that democracy is the uh, grows out of the castration of the other. That's the, I think okay. the answer. Yeah. That, that th- okay. It's a. It's a. So there's something almost. I mean, not natural, but almost inherent to our symbolic situation that corresponds to democracy for Giannis. And, and, and I should okay. be clear, like he's trying to, he includes a, refu- uh, not refutation, but argument with Slavoj in that book. Uh, mm-hmm. And he's he's also indebted to Ernesto Laclau and Chantal Mouffe. So their book, Hegemony and Socialist Strategy, is, so he's not just presenting a psychoanalytic position. He's negotiating between the radical democracy position of Laclau and Mouffe and uh, the psychoanalytic position of someone like Slavoj. So he's really mm-hmm. arguing between those or trying to marry, uh, marry those two together. Uh, but yeah, I think it's that he thinks in some way democracy inheres in signification, mm-hmm. in the subject's relation to signification, and it, it's a way of, of bringing lack into the political or basing the political on lack. And mm. I, yeah, I, I mean, I see that. I don't think it's a wild speculation. I think it's, it's pretty interesting. Uh, but I, I, I think that it's, it's probably the problem with it is that it doesn't account for how that, that there's a disavowal at the, like if you believe in the, isn't the problem with democracy representative democracy, uh, parliamentary democracy, that if you, you believe in the people, right? Like that's the, that's the fetish in the Democrat. Mm-hmm. Like, like, yeah. So in a way it's also a, 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 a disavowal of symbolic castration because the, you don't yeah. think the people are castrated. I mean, that's the, or democracy. Yeah. If we said democracy thinks something, right? Like democracy is not based it's based on the non-castration of the people. And that's the, and, and you hear people do this all the time, right? Like I think, and in fact, it, it, it often is a right-wing strategy. Like the people think, the moral majority think, like, right? The, yeah, right, right, right. right. I, I listen to a lot of stuff coming out of France and there's a lot of stuff on the libertarian left or the right, and they're now kind of joined together. That's all about what the people, the, the, they have a they have a term for the certain kind of people called les Français de souche, which means okay. the French of the trunk. Like a souche is a trunk of a tree, so it's like mm-hmm. the people that are really rooted in the soil, which is of course uh, fascistic, has fascistic yeah. roots. But but that idea is that those people are non-castrated. Like you know what I mean? Right. As a collective, they're well. It's like we say the heart. Don't we say the heartland? heartland. Like That's real right. America, yeah. yeah, real America, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. All those um, terms are are all terms, but even on the left, right? Like if you believe in the people, like I, I have to say, do I have to confess this? I guess I do. So <laughs> okay. when when Obama won in two thousand and eight, I mm-hmm. I worked for the I have to I did I worked on the campaign calling people mm-hmm. whatever, and then when he won, I turned to Hillary and I said, well, the people really spoke. As I said, it was mm-hmm. a dumb thing to say. It was stupid. It was so, <laughs> it was insanity. But I, I really, 
I thought that. And I think that that, so there is a tendency on like to think like, oh, now the people really found their voice, you know, and they, yeah, okay. and they, and they, but I think that's always this disavowal of symbolic castration, a refusal to confront the castration of even the people yeah. as a whole. Like they're even the people don't, and I think this comes back to the idea of unconscious. They don't know what they want. They don't know what they want. Mm. And I think that's what, that's the truth of this, of the leader, right? The, the, the leader doesn't know what, doesn't know what the people want and doesn't know what she or he wants either. Yeah. 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 Uh, I, I think, okay, just for provisionally, and I have to think about this a little bit more. I, I, I'm definitely on the, I think this is, this is, I guess it's your position that, um, th- that, I think that democracy stages the. Uh, I think it stages contradiction. Um, it as a yeah as a political as a system, and I I might even be like I know that that like that uh, it, it would be better in many ways if there are more than two parties in this country. But I also think that's a, more parties is a way of. Running away from like an intrinsic, like existential contradiction, which right, I think, and it's also a disaster in other countries. So yeah, I don't, no, exactly. I don't see yeah. how like like you know there are many you just get more options. I, yeah, that, that's well, kind of there's many countries too where it forces an alliance between the mainstream right and the fascistic right, and it's a t- total right. disaster. Right. So yeah. I mean, that, that's what happened yeah. in Israel. It's happening in Israel right now. Like Netanyahu is combined with these far right, and then that's you know creates a total disaster. So I don't, I don't think that, I don't think more is necessarily better. And I think your point yeah. about does it avoid that central contradiction? Like maybe it does, right? Like maybe the mm-hmm. two parties actually forces a confrontation with this fundamental contradiction. So that's. That's my position, and I, 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 but I'm, I like, I, I do like uh, Giannis's point that, like, because you, you have to accept it on, on, on both. If it's a truly a dialectical thing, um, and, and not to get, uh, I'm sorry to, to, uh, to, to, to you know, we're, throw, we're, no, I guess this is all comes back to symbolic castration, doesn't it? So yeah, that's, yeah, so it's yeah. all fine. Yeah. Um, but like no, it does. I don't know why I interrupted myself like that. Uh, l- losing confidence, see, because you know, because of falling. You're confronting the, 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 your castration. That's exactly yeah. yeah. So, <laughs> so the the thing, right, is that it's democ. If democracy can do this, if, if even a two party or first past the post, as the sometimes called democracy, can stage this, you know, intrinsic existential contradiction okay uh between the polarities then it has to follow that it has also within it the mechanism to like avoid that completely yeah and that i think is what i am attracted in the way that you've rendered yes. what Giannis yeah. was saying that's an elementary so that, lesson of dialectics Ryan. right like yeah. that's the point yes. like the very yeah. thing that is its virtue is also its worst vice yeah. Right. I, w- I was just thinking of this as an example of, of symbolic castration. Like if you've ever, we both have been up in front of people thousands and thousands of times, right? Uh, but if you're ever up in front of someone speaking in a group for the, fir- for the first or first couple of times, 
you really feel your own symbolic castration, right? Like you really, I remember the first time I ever talked at a, it was a, at a, at a conference, I was giving a talk on Virginia Woolf. And it was the, mm-hmm. I was so, my voice was cracking. This woman next to me was very, she put her hand on my shoulder and said, it'll, it'll be okay. You know, like she really, <laughs> it was very nice. Uh, which also, nice. of course, added to my <laughs> sense of symbolic <laughs> castration. So it didn't help me in yeah. the slightest. But she was trying to be nice. Uh, but what I thought was interesting was I did not, and this is why you're nervous, because I felt my own symbolic castration. But I didn't hear or see the symbolic castration in my fellow panelists right. or in the audience. Right? Like right. I thought, oh, I'm addressing all these completely phallic spectators and i yes. better come up with something i better speak in a clear way and not and not and seem like i'm a serious person and act like i know what i'm talking about right so i think mm-hmm. and if anyone's when you when you're talking in front of people for the first time and this is something uh if you're if you're a professor you, you're kind of used to this but if students come up there i remember oh, yeah one of my twins came home and theo came home and he's like oh my god he goes you have to do that every day you have to go in front of them <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, yeah, it kind of gets easier after you do it. But but of course, you there's sometimes you really sense it because, I mean, this is why I forbid phones in the class because when the students go on their phone, you like feel like, okay, they're showing their non-castration and highlighting mine because I can't command their attention, right? So I think to me, being in, speaking in front of people is both confronting your own symbolic castration and denying it in the other and that's why it's nerve-wracking to do mm. you know uh it's so funny about the phone thing i because i i just don't I, I just don't even look or I, like it just seems beyond uh legislatable and there was one time that um this was years ago i think this is probably you're right there was one time that it's probably the last time i ever said anything about someone taking their phone out in class because they told me that they were looking up the definition of one of the words I had just said. And I was like, all right. <laughs> like, okay, all right. Yeah. I have to allow for that possibility yeah. then. And so now I know it's not true. Like, I yeah. know that, you know, when people are taking notes on the computer, that it's very likely that they're not yeah. writing down whatever it is I'm saying. They're like texting a friend of theirs and iMessage or whatever. But I, I just, like, I just allow for the possibility that, they are looking up like a word that I just said, or it's, it's like, or whatever, uh, or and then it's just it just doesn't have to, it just doesn't have to do with me and any any right, anymore. Right. So that, know, I'm yeah. so I'm such a hard ass on this that I had a student <laughs> in my office doing an independent study, and she's yeah. like, uh, she put away her computer. She was started to take notes, and she goes, "Oh, I'm sorry," and she put. I go. Look, if we're talking one on one, you can look at your computer. She goes, "I know you don't allow computers." I said. Look, if we're talking one on one, and you want to take notes, you could do it on your computer. I assume you're not surfing the web while we're just talking one on one. So I thought it was really funny that I was had this reputation. Someone you can't even, you can't even when you're in the don't room even t- don't even don't, take an electronic device out in front of this guy. Don't even take it out. Yeah, which okay, I'm fine <laughs> with that. But we haven't talked about the thing that we were going to talk about in the beginning, which is the film that I think yes, both of us think is the great symbolic castration film. And yeah. what's fascinating is that it's a film that also shows how a director can retreat 
from symbolic castration into the phallic status of the father in yeah. this director's career because there's a there's a the trajectory is just undeniable I think. Mm-hmm. Do you want to say the film? Because you just taught this film, I believe. I did just teach this film. This film uh, began life as a made-for-TV movie, made-for-TV format invented in 1968 in the United States by a man named uh, Dick Berg. Uh, speaking of phallic names, like a <laughs> giant uh, piece of floating ice, um, who's uh, who was the father of, uh, I believe, Tony Berg, who... Um, I think I brought this up one time. He, he was uh, the fired um, studio engineer on the Replacements uh, album that eventually became Don't Tell a Soul. He what a the, connection, uh, man. Wh- what a connection, right? Yeah. Uh, um, so, I have a little um, iceberg joke that's coming after this story. So. Okay. Oh, it's a great, I know the one you've got. It's a great one. So um, the first uh, made-for-TV movie, um, a generally agreed upon, it's called See How They Run uh, from 1968. Um, they're... They're like uh, the Hallmark Hall of Fame movie. I think that started maybe a little bit earlier, but they were um, reproductions of like, uh, you know, like a Christmas story or a Christmas story. That's funny. I did that. Uh, like uh, Christmas Carol, things yeah. like that. So, but yeah. like written for TV screen. So this film from, uh, it's 1974. Is that correct? Am I right about this? Uh, I think it's I'm earlier. Sure. Earlier? 71 maybe? Yeah, I think it's 71. Yeah. 71. Okay. Oh, released as a, I think released as a film and three years later uh, is Duel, belaboring the point. Uh, D U E L, yes, Steven Spielberg's right. first film. It's 71. Made, 71, made for yeah. TV movie. Um, which is, uh, and I think to, to the point about symbolic castration, is there is more <laughs> castration in the film, like the collected film version than in the made for TV yes. movie version. Yes. There, there's a great, it was released the in film, Europe, which is why that, did you already say this? That's why they made a film, a, a longer yes. version of it. Yeah. And that's why, and is that why I had the 74 in my head? I think so. I think that's might be when oh. it was released in Europe, but yeah, it was a TV okay. movie, 71 in the U S and then expanded. So it was 70, right. you, you told me it was 74 minutes in the U S and then 90 minutes. Oh, maybe that's why I had that number, Europe. but yes. Yeah. yeah. Um, in, in any case, the, so the film, which is about, um, so is, is it, uh, it's Richard Weaver. Dennis Weaver. Dennis Weaver. Dennis Weaver. Dennis Weaver. Great actor who, who's in the great Wells film, touch of evil. He plays the, the hotel right. night manager. who's <laughs> great in that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and he, is he passes a it's really great so it's just he's on the highway in uh uh California all well, yeah uh, he's going and, from he's tra- traveling from Los Angeles up to San Francisco right 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 and uh he passes a truck now this is really really important he passes a truck Todd on an unbroken yellow line that's really important yep it's an unbroken yellow line. The truck is is going slow. It's it's polluting. He mef- he even references this. Yeah. It just smells bad. He passes this dirty. truck and then he very dirty, dirty, yeah. just disgusting. And then he passes, uh, you know, passes the truck. And then um, a few minutes later, the truck comes screaming down the road to pass him. And then it starts this thing. He's like, what is it? And so then on a unbroken yellow line where you can do passing, he's able to, to pass him again. And then a little bit later, he's not going fast enough. The truck is right, right behind him. And so he waves him ahead. Right. Yeah. And then, then (laughs) after waving him ahead, uh, 
the the truck driver going slower waves Dennis Weaver to go yeah. ahead and he's yeah. like, Oh, finally, this is over. This is a nice, yeah. you know, little tit for tat. We've, you know, we got yeah. over the thing and he waves him into oncoming traffic Yes, and he nearly gets killed. Yeah. And then this, this is the, now then things start to get serious. Now what I just said, that's how broadly speaking, the made for TV version played out the film version, which is how, if you get it today, this is how you, and it should be seen this way. Um, that there is a uh, a phone call. He stops to get gas, and so does the truck. And when he stops to get gas, this is before things got really serious between the two. He goes in to use a payphone to call his wife, and it, they had a fight before the movie started over his not uh, protecting her. Right of when um uh, uh like a coworker or someone they knew was like probably like groping her like and th- that's what she says like he practically right. raped me is what what she yeah. would and he's like oh come on you're like blowing it all out of proportion like this whole thing and uh there's the whole like there's like this radio drama of of this earlier in the film of this guy calling someone from the census bureau saying can he report himself as the head of the household when it's really his his wife who's the head of the his household wife's the head. Yeah, is, yeah, yeah. is is yeah. is she is is that going to be fine for the government and then she says that's fine and then he there you lose the thread of the conversation it comes back around and in the end what he says is well will my wife find out because i actually do want to put myself down as the head of the household <laughs> and so if it's no if it makes no difference to the government it shouldn't make it anyway this is all in the background it's really yeah. great and it sets up this and, and it sets up this whole just one thing. thing. He's, yeah, go he's ahead. driving this little red car that is yeah. not. It's probably like a four cylinder car because it doesn't have that much power to get ahead of the of this humongous truck too. So that's another just another aspect of of his symbolic castration, right? <laughs> yeah, and I love I, I love the, just so much I love about the movie like him. Yeah, uh, in 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 uh, interior monologue, just saying he he can't go faster. He just he loses concentration when the car goes over sixty. And I did a um, I did a double uh, a double check to make sure um, that sixty five was the speed limit at the time the movie was made, and it, it was. It was not until uh, some years later that it got reduced to uh, fifty five. Right. Yeah, briefly, um, due to the gas. gas that was a Nixon. Right. Right. Yeah, Nixon thing. I think it was Ford um, that reduced the gas, or maybe Carter, but it was later. It yeah, wasn't, yeah. Uh, it wasn't. It wasn't in seventy one for sure. Certainly not. Yeah. So, um, anyway, yeah. It's just uh, I don't know. I don't know what um what how what what more you want to to. to I do want to say it, just one other thing. Yeah. Like so, the other thing the, the what what establishes so he treats the truck driver and the truck as a as a non castrated other, right? Like that's the thing. Yes. Like so, Nicely he put, experiences, yeah. and we as a spectator, as spectators, experience his. The guy's name is David Mann, which is very appropriate. Uh, <laughs> name of the character. Yeah. The character played by Dennis Weaver. We experience him as castrated. He experiences himself as castrated. And all the radio thing, the call of his wife, all mm-hmm. this stuff just enhances his, his feckless car, all this stuff ex- enhances his <laughs> sense of castration. And then the truck seems completely non-castrated, added to by the fact that we and he never see the identity of the truck driver. So he's in the diner, and he mm-hmm. keeps thinking, oh, that's the truck driver, but he never knows, right? And then yeah. the truck is pursuing him, and we the, Spielberg never gives us a shot. And this is what I think is so great about the film. As spectators of 
what's inside the truck. We get a lot of straight-on shots of the windshield, but there's such a glare of the sun that you can never see within. You just see it's just a blank screen. Mm-hmm. And so it's a real great film about the gaze and Lacan's sense of the term, which we could talk about. But it's also, I mean, we won't talk about today, but we could talk about sometime. But it, mm-hmm. but, but it also creates this sense that this is a phallic other that's non-lacking. And so he... Uh, the the David Mann character driving the red car ha- is 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 part of what discombobulates him is the fact that he thinks the other he cannot read or interpret the other's castration the other seems perfectly non castrated and mm-hmm. he can't he can't embrace the other's castration or his own cat. Like he, even though he knows he's castrated, he wants to find a way to over, he's still convinced he can overcome his castration until the end of the film. I think maybe we shouldn't say the end because I think it's a film probably people have not seen. And the ending is one of the great endings. There's a, there's a, there's a really classic use of the jump cut, which Mm -hmm. is used so seldomly that it's a, it's, it's nice to to see where it's, I mean, it's used famously in breathless, but here it's used very thematically and, and really nicely. Uh, But the ending is just, it's a really surprising ending. I think if you, if, if you've never seen the film before and I think the other thing I would say, this is why I think it's about the, the, the Spielberg's trajectory is about the <laughs> yeah, right. reject the the initial embrace of castration. In his first two films, I think Duel and Sugarland Express, also a great film about the father's castration. And then starting with Jaws, which you think is going to be about that, then mm. the Ray Scheider character at the end, even the idea we're going to need a bigger boat, suggests that we could really find something phallic enough to deal <laughs> with this shark, right? And he, and, he, and he does eventually. And he does. Uh, a gun. A gun, yeah, right, and a yeah. and a and a air. What is that? A tank of compressed, compressed air, air tank. Uh, and then and Smile, then sub- you son of a bitch. <laughs> Sorry, continue. <laughs> no, that's that's very good. And then subsequently, then we get this again and again and again, right? Like there's a mm. we're going to find an adequate, i.e., phallic figure that will o- will overcome symbolic castration for us. I mean, I think that's the idea in Raiders of the Lost Ark, especially. Uh, Last Crusade, right? Like he, Indiana Jones is yearning for this father's love and he's reaching for the grail and then his father says, Indy, let it go. And then he's like, he's finally a phallic father, a non-lacking father. And I think that that idea just, it, it runs throughout the, the films, even some really, I mean, Lincoln, my God, is, the, is, maybe, <laughs> is maybe, I like Lincoln, but it's maybe the worst example of that. Um, or, 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 or Schindler. I mean, that I sure. think, like, like, isn't the idea of Schindler that if we just had had this phallic father for all of us, we wouldn't mm-hmm. have, we wouldn't have had the Holocaust, right? So I think it's, which yeah. makes that film, to my mind, very objectionable. Yeah, it's you know he has this line that he says um he has this line that he thought that Raiders of the Lost Ark was the his immature uh grappling with uh the Holocaust and that the Schindler's List is the more mature and, and I kind of think it's the opposite. Reverse it. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um yeah. the but that's, you know. Yeah. Um the going I can can I do can I do can I indulge my TV example yeah, of, of this like another yeah. one yeah all right so this is so the great 
the great TV example beyond, I mean, Duel, if we count it, we, you set it up as a film example and it should be because the, uh, the symbolic castration of the film version, as I was saying, like that conversation it's even with his a made wife. made for TV movie, Ryan. They called it that. So yeah. And yeah, of, of yeah, course, yeah. of course made for TV movie. No, yeah. but like the, the film version of it is the, like, that's the, it's that's better. the thing. Yeah. That's the, yeah. yeah. So it's made for TV, but this, so another TV example, but this is like a TV, TV example. Uh, there's not a, not a better example of symbolic castration than the end of the Sopranos. Right. Um, which is very famous. I'm going to assume most people know it, even if they haven't seen it. And what is, um, really striking about what David Chase does again, this is like, an, this is, um, another uh, to link it to Jewel, I hadn't thought about this when we laid this out. But what links it to Jewel is that the the castration is in the editing. Yes, and so like you made this point about the jump cut. The there's this so the final sequence of like all of the of the Sopranos is uh, Tony. It's like been I'm sure it's been like memed and like to death. And again, right. people like know it if they haven't seen it. But like right. Tony's in a diner. He's waiting for his family to show up. That like he's like successfully fended off this bloodbath. He's ended this bloodbath between him and one of the New York families, uh, le- leading to his rival Phil Leotardo's death. Um, and so everything seems safe. The war between New Jersey and New York is called off. He had a sit down. It was shake of hands. All agreed. So he's going to go out to dinner with his family, uh, at this little place. Um, and, like a dinery type of type of place. Yeah. And that has a jukebox. You can yeah. you can little you can little do a little jukebox thing. And yeah. so he puts in uh puts Just in money city and he, boy. <laughs> Is that what he puts in? Born, born and raised inside the trunk. Yeah, that's yeah. my yeah. Like that. So that's a yeah. horrible impression of Journey. But yeah. listen, I love that song, by yeah, the I way. Do too. And I love it's a great song. Here's my question. Actually, before I continue with this, Todd, yeah. what's the all right, what do you think the best journey song is? I, I and what do you think the second best journey song? Okay, is? I think that's the second best journey song. I agree with you. I'm glad you said that. What's okay? The, and then what do you I, think is the best? I think it's Come great. On, say I, it. What is I it? I think Stone in Love is the best journey song. Okay, interesting. You don't agree. So what were you going to say? No, I was going to go faithfully. Oh yeah, I think faithfully is great. Here's why I wouldn't there say faithfully because go ahead. Do you know how it's? This is a stupid thing people do. Hopefully they only do it in the U.S. and hopefully only in the Midwest. But my high school girlfriend <laughs> okay. and I, that was like our song. So, so Oh, okay. So uh So you can't do that. I, I, I mean it just it just, you know, it has all this replete with castration for me. But I, I, I think you're probably right. I think Faithful right. is probably number one and my, my so, Stone in Love would be third. So that's I pretty also good. think by the way that um the Wheel in the Sky this, is pretty good. This is a song, it's only there are two songs that are all, that were released only on soundtracks, I think are excellent. One's called only the Young, and it's on oh, the yeah. Vision Quest soundtrack. And the other one's a great song called Ask the Lonely. And mm, it's on oh. the soundtrack for, for an album, or for a for a movie called, it's a terrible movie with John Travolta and Olivia Newton-John. Not Grease, but Two of a Kind. <laughs> Just a terrible uh, movie about God decides to destroy the world unless John Travolta and Olivia Newton-John can do something selfish, selfless. And so it's oh. you know, like these angels conspire with the devil to get them to, anyway it's just terrible well so I mean it, it sounds terrible because I only want to watch uh, John Travolta and Olivia Newton-John do things that are selfish then that makes a good movie <laughs> so anyway the like dance in and Soprano, say, uh, you know I'm hopelessly devoted to you or something exactly yes. yeah. yeah so that that kind of thing yeah. so in Sopranos 
right at the so he puts on the song and he's waiting for his family and what's what's happening it's just like it's so good I'll, I'll I'll tell the story after I explain what happens I'll tell the story of um, me seeing it for the first time good good yeah uh, and so he's waiting for his family to come in he sees different people come in I'm gonna come back to this in a second and then uh they're talking about like you know remembering the good times and it, you know there's like a this nostalgia. His son AJ says like kind of a nice thing, which is like really great because he hasn't said a nice thing in about you know four, four and a half seasons. Yeah. So like is kind of a big deal. Um, and they're waiting for so there's this like drama with Meadow parking the car. It's like sort of you don't really know what's going on. There's this guy who goes into the bathroom and then uh, or whatever like this seems to be important, but maybe it's not. And you're listening to the song. And Meadow runs in uh, Tony's daughter to the um, to the diner. She opens the door. You see Tony. This cut to to Tony, and then it's a him looking up, and then it's a cut to black. Yeah. And so, so this came out. This uh, so this is two thousand seven. So this was um, about five four. Four-ish, I think June of 2007. This was four, five-ish months um, after I was in the car accident and the coma and the TBI and everything. Uh, and I was talking about this the other day in class, Todd, and I realized that I could have died before knowing how The Sopranos oh, ended. Oh, wow, that would have been terrible. Uh, uh, horrible. And yeah. so the and I, so I watched it. I was with my friend Chris, um, and we were watching in his living room. And when this cut happened, this like this cut to black after Tony looking up, he jumped out of his seat. He jumped out of his seat. Like I, I was still not super mobile. Like yeah. so, I I, yeah. I probably wanted to, but I couldn't. He jumped out of his seat, and the thing that he made sure to to do was to make sure that the cable connection cable was, was fine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. He, and and he messed with it, and it wasn't until some seconds. They did the little <laughs> maybe, sprinkling HBO thing or whatever, right? Yes, like thirty seconds did. Yeah. Then there was credits. Were like soundless, and we were like, "What the hell?" And now, and so after, like everyone, this was just like all anyone could talk about for months. Yeah, um, and like a, a lot of people hated and it. and a lot of people hated it because they were like, "You don't know what happens," yeah. and et cetera, et cetera. It's just like it's a cop out. They didn't yeah. show if Tony dies, they didn't show him dying, or it's like, or maybe he didn't die. Like whatever it is, it's like they're just like pulling the the like the 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 camera away. It's like and so we're denied. Like there's this denial of closure, et cetera, et cetera. And I remember, like at the time, like like, and for a really long time. I mean, I said this to you, like last year, because I hadn't rewatched the show yet yeah. since it happened. That it was my position that he he did not die, and the, yeah. the show just like it was just ending. And then after I saw it again, it's like it's very clear that he's killed. He's I mean, there's like yeah. so many, and I I, I don't want to go because I don't want to go through all the things, um, but th- because there there's some lines that are that are in that episode that are like, you know, he has this conversation with Bobby Bacala in the episode. It's called, I think, uh, Sopranos Family Videos or something like that, where they're talking to each other about like, what does it feel like to be whacked? And like uh, Bobby Bacala says, you probably don't even hear it. And yeah. it's really, really awful for him because he totally sees that he's about to get whacked he when does, he gets killed right. in the previous episode titled Blue Comet, which is incredible. Um, so that that little thing is replayed again. So that's like put into your head when you watch that episode. There's this whole thing though with this guy I mentioned who sits down in a members and he's only I think in the credits is it's like it's like guy in members only jacket yeah. and there's a whole thing with this um which is a uh, Richie April this guy who Tony's sister kills in a pre in an earlier season they were uh, gonna get married 
and he slaps her and she shoots him. She kills him. Uh, Richie was in prison for a long time and he had this members only jacket. They made a big deal about it. So like there's another person, I think and there's another time there's a members only jacket and yeah. it's like a kind of a reference to Richie, like the April crew. And I don't think that this crew did the hit, but there's a referent there. Right. Yeah. And then there's a whole thing is my position that it's Polly and Patsy who have conspired to kill him. And my, I don't want to go into the minutia of it. The biggest piece of evidence is that when you see, if you watch the show, you definitely don't think these two characters um, have the guts to pull it off to even do this. And that's because you see everybody the way Tony sees people. That's good. And And Tony would never see this coming, but formally here's this, brilliant here is that every time someone comes into the diner, there's a ding of the bell, the bell opening. So there's a ding. You see Tony's face. He looks up, you see the person come in. So it, every single time there's like six, seven people. One of them is this guy, this members only jacket guy. Um, Meadow parking the car. So the way that they're positioned at the table, it's four people in the family. It's Tony on one side of the booth and then his wife, Carmela and his son, Anthony Jr. on the other side. And there's a space next to him. Meadow is going to sit next to him. Meadow's parking the car. Uh, she can't get the, the um, parallel park to work because it's a huge car and it's difficult to parallel park. Yeah. And the importance of this is like there is like some like dumb memes. It's like oh yeah, so the, they spent all this time at the end of the on uh, the Sopranos to uh, make a crack that women can't drive or something like that. That's not the point of this. The point of this is that she's not in the restaurant to sit next to Tony to make it a difficult shot right. for the hit for right. the guy coming out of the bathroom to shoot him in the back of the head. Right. So, but the thing, the formal thing, is that you expect. The entire scene, when you hear the ding of the door, you expect to look up and you expect to get a reverse shot. So it's not, everyone made this like, if Tony dies, that they expect to see him die. It, it, it isn't that. It's everyone, because of watching that scene, what you expect is the reverse shot and you don't get it. So not only, so I think the, yes, there's a symbolic castration of you're denied the like visual closure of if he's killed or not or whatever, but that's not even where I would place it. It's that you don't get the reverse shot right. that the entire sequence you've been told you're going to get because you get sound and then there's cut and there's right. look, but this time right. you don't get it. Right. I mean, it's linked to um, what Jean-Pierre Udar says about suture, right? Even though whatever the theory of suture and f- the history of film is very screwed up, but his idea is, you you get when you don't get when you get a shot and then a reverse shot of a person what you mm-hmm. don't see is the camera shooting it and so in a way the shot reverse shot sequence covers up symbolic castration right so the fact nice. that our view is always from a particular perspective and i think what you're saying is in this case no you really get the absence of the reverse shot is yes. the fact of symbolic castration and i think yes. what's great is Symbolic castration is formal, and what you're saying is mm-hmm. it's it's indicated formally in that in it, at the end of Sopranos. So I think that's yes. a good, that's such a great uh, example to end on. As as and uh, as you know, and that's what what did people refuse to embrace at the end of that mm-hmm. show? Precisely, yes. there are some like we can take a depressing ending, we can take an uplifting ending. What we can't take is an ending that shows our symbolic castration. That's exactly right. Yeah, that's exactly right. Okay, Ryan, uh, what's the lesson? Maybe too obvious today. It's maybe too obvious. It's uh it's Jewel. Has yeah. to be the lesson. Go watch Jewel. Yeah, I mean it's a it's such a rare it's a film a lot of people haven't seen, but I think it's the Spielberg masterpiece. All right, Todd. Okay, over, over now, buddy. buddy.